Welcome to your digital reputation. Here's your host, Roger Christie. Hello, and thanks for joining us. My name's Roger Christie, founder of digital reputation advisory firm, Propel. And today we're asking, are social CEOs magnets for talent? We've all heard the stats. Candidates are four times more likely to want to work for leaders who use social media than those who don't. And as many as 80% of candidates now look at leaders' LinkedIn profiles before applying for jobs. But I want to get behind the stats today. Let's hear a different, more tangible perspective on this situation. Let's hear from people whose careers have been influenced, even shaped, by a social CEO themselves. Now, when I use the phrase social CEO, what I mean is any leader across any sector who understands the value of social media platforms and uses them to communicate with or to engage or to inspire their key audiences. And that can be a CEO, yes, but it can be a managing director, a chair, a secretary or director general in the public sector, any leader who uses platforms like LinkedIn to reach and influence the talent their organization needs to succeed today. I've invited three guests to share their story on the Your Digital Reputation podcast today, so let's introduce them now. Rosie Oldfield is the Executive Officer to the CEO and Manager for Projects at the Committee for Sydney. That's Greater Sydney's urban policy think tank. Rosie's held a range of comm, strategy and project management roles across the public and private sectors, and she's a living, breathing example of how a social CEO can attract the best talent to their team. Elliot Franks is the Acting Director for Communications at the Queensland Government Department of Resources. I've known Elliot for many years as a client and industry colleague, and I've always respected his no BS approach to social media and getting the job done. His story clearly shows how leaders, particularly on LinkedIn, can have an impact far beyond the four walls of their own organisation. And finally, Danielle Maidens is the Assistant Director for Policy Implementation at the Federal Department of Infrastructure, Transport, Regional Development, Communications and the Arts. I came across Danny after she posted something incredibly personal and powerful on LinkedIn earlier this year, which we'll explore on the show together later. And like Rosie and Elliot, Danny's story shows us just how much of an impact an authentic, visible and supportive leader can have on their teams. So now we know our talent. Let's start with Rosie Oldfield's story. Hi, Roger. Thank you so much for having me on board to tell my story. I might start at the end and then go back to the beginning. So where I am now is I am an executive officer and project manager for the Committee for Sydney, which is a not-for-profit organization, a policy think tank that works on behalf of its members in advocating for policy that makes Sydney the best city in the world to live in. That's where I'm at now, but there's been a long story in how I got here. I had a crash course while at uni in project management in mass events that we rolled out around the country and then at the same time was studying relationships and how people interact with each other. And so while that was happening and just after I did listen out to a around Australia, COVID hit and lo and behold, so festivals all shut down, lost the job as many people of that sort of day and age did. This is sort of where the story starts. Having learnt and understood what how critical relationships are to creating change in this world and particularly following leaders that make the change in the world, I knew I was about to graduate from uni into a global pandemic. 
So what I decided to do instead, I mean, I definitely applied for a lot of jobs, but LinkedIn, the most amazing social media in the world. I used my opportunity between the downtime of the pandemic and finishing up my degree to make connections. I messaged about, I probably say about 300 people on LinkedIn from HR executives to CEOs to leaders in government to reach out to them and ask for advice. And at the time, I was working in a leadership consultancy and they had someone doing a webinar to speak about their leadership, what they did with their teams. And that person was in the New South Wales government and worked in an incredible space of both social policy, social economic policy, but also in commercial transactions. And I was interested in two things. One is purpose. So bringing my purpose to the world and how I want to affect change and impact and being able to affect impact on a really grand scale. So I was looking into private enterprise because I thought that might be the best way to do it. But this person had come from government. I didn't know that it existed, that you could work on commercial deals that had a incredible sort of business perspective to them while at the same time working on social policy. And the parallel that I'd like to draw here is that at the same time I was at the leadership consultancy, I was working on the front line during COVID in the COVID clinic at the Sydney Kids Hospital. So while I was about to graduate uni, I found an incredible leader who happened to be working in the spaces that I was. I reached out to that person on LinkedIn as well. And among the hit rate that I had, I had an incredible conversation with that leader where they told me why they were so passionate about what they did. But what made that leader so incredible to me was that, number one, they were giving up their own time to talk about their story, their leadership journey, but they were generous in their time and giving it back to me in teaching me about what they do at work every day and how they're making a difference on the grand scale that I was looking for. So, and that impact was across for the people of New South Wales, where 10 million plus of the population of Australia lives. And so I was so surprised and delighted that I found a place in the government where I could potentially have that kind of impact. So LinkedIn was the enabler for connection and ultimately career. What about their leadership style? What difference has this social CEO made to Rosie and others? They are one of the most incredible people who I think have ever operated in this space and have touched so many of the lives of the people that they have led and have inspired them the entire way through. So I definitely made a good choice to reach out to them in the first place, but it was Maybe it's a public service attitude that you give your time generously. But this person was extremely invested in showing a young person that there is an opportunity to be had here and that they are someone who unlocks blockages to empowerment so that you can just reach to the sky and try new things and succeed. And that's what I found in my role in government working with this leader. One thing that I'm extremely passionate about in particularly hierarchical places such as government is that sometimes I find that young people don't have the courage to reach to the top or they feel that they don't have a look into where decisions are being made. And so I really, really admire leaders and people who are opening the door to that conversation and demystifying what leadership looks like at the top. 
I'm not saying that that's everyone's experience in government or in private enterprise for that matter, but I specifically wanted to work with someone who was prepared to uplift every single person around them. And so I managed to find a workplace in which I could do that. And it was diving into those conversations over LinkedIn that changed my perspective on that. Let's hear from Elliot Franks now at the Department of Resources in Queensland. I love being in the public service because our driver is public good, which makes me feel warm and fuzzy. And at the end of the day, it's everyone I work with, all we're trying to do is improve the lives of Queenslanders. So that's where my career lies. But in terms of CEOs that have changed that, for years, we were trying to get some of the senior leaders in our department to talk about what they do and why they do it, because we're also proud of the work we do internally. But there's traditionally in, in the public service, we didn't like to talk about that externally. We just want just the public-facing website and that's it and not talk about the brilliant people that we work with or the motivation that we have to do the work that we do. So that was always a challenge to get senior leaders to put themselves out there to talk about their drivers and their passions and, and the reasons they love their work. That all kind of changed. It was about three, four years ago. We had a new DG come in, uh, Mike Kaiser, who was a parliamentarian then went out to consulting, worked at NBN and a few other places, and this was his first role back in the Queensland um, public sector. So there was a fair bit of pressure on him being a, a former parliamentarian. It's not a traditional crossover between DGs and parliamentarians. A lot of pressure on him to succeed, but also a lot of pressure on him because he has a, a history as well, which a lot of DGs are, don't. They try not to have a history at all because they want the work to represent them. So he came in into the department and full of gusto and bravado. And if anyone has knows of Mike's work, Mike is Mike. He's honest. He's transparent. He's passionate. He doesn't back down if he believes in, in what he's saying. So that was a breath of fresh air to have a senior leader like that who would on LinkedIn say it how he felt. He'll talk about the department, talk about uh, the projects he's working on, and most importantly, talk about why they're so important to Queenslanders. Even when challenged, he would have that discussion with people, which is probably one of the, the scarier things that, that CEOs find. A lot of them will be getting someone else to write their content, so engagement there doesn't really exist, but not with Mike. He would, uh, he would put it out there and he would have those discussions with people about the things he was passionate about. So he really changed things in our department because him doing that allowed the freedom for the rest of the senior leaders to then also show their passion and talk about why they love what they do. He kind of opened the floodgates and he, he left us a, a couple of years ago. He's now the DG over at uh, State Development, but all the following DGs and our senior leaders still follow it as well. are out there on LinkedIn talking to their connections, which we know is so important. Uh, so yeah, he started it, but it's 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 still continuing. There's this this worldview of public servants as being lazy and just in it for the paycheck and the and small hours and the free time, which is absolutely when you work in the public service, you know that's that's not it at all. We all put in extra effort and love and passion into what we do, and we're proud of the work that we do. And he's unashamed about the, the, the work that public servants do and, and how important it is. So it, it kind of freed everyone up to talk about, yeah, we are proud of the work that we do. And then 
subsequently all the DGs following, calling out staff for their amazing work, talking about the projects. Yeah, it's, it's been really valuable for public servants to be proud. I think that's the big change. And, and, and if we are, and then we go and sell our own work, that also in turn you know, increases the reputation once like shows people that the public service is a great place to work. And finally, Danny Maidens, who works, in her words, at the federal department with the longest name in history, Challenge Laid. What's her social CEO story? For me, I use social media as a way to connect with like-minded people and to bring people together. I wear bright colours. I am loud. I definitely, I was leaving the Canberra office yesterday and I was going, the loud regional person is leaving now. It's all very quiet. And I like to show that there is fun. You don't have to fit a certain mould. And yeah, I just try to bring my authentic self to work because I spend more time at work than I do at home. So our big boss man who referred to himself in a summit that we both attended this week as the t-shirt guy, uh, our secretary, Jim Betts. And I'd met him a few times online, but this week was the first time I actually got to meet him in person. But he encourages everybody within the department to bring their authentic self. And to if you can bring your authentic self, then you can be the best you can be in all aspects. So for instance, this week, he was talking about his experiences with working within other departments and how having a negative working environment does impact you on a range of levels, your mental health, your well-being, a whole range of things. And he's very approachable. And, you know, I don't know if it's a deliberate thing or not, but the way he dresses and the way he, you feel that you can approach him is very different than other leaders I've had. For a moment in the crowd, I was like, oh, look, there he is. And I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't see him or maybe I shouldn't. And then I was like, it's all good. And he was just like, I was like, hi. And he's like, let's get a photo. And I'm like, I thought I was going to have to like jump tackle him to like convince him so that we could get a photo. And he was like, yeah, let's get a photo. And I was like, where's your shirt? Like, I'm wearing my shirt. Where's your shirt? And he like took his jacket off and then took his like button up shirt on and then had his shirt on underneath. And I was like, thank goodness. Cause I was like, I was like fully dressed for the occasion. He was like, no, like, I think like seeing what the room was like. So it was really good. So he's just cool. He just brings like a presence of that. He doesn't rush you. He listens to you and he's say, what do you need from me? How can I help you? And there's not many leaders, especially at that level who ask those questions. And I think there's also a very big distinction between leaders and management. And he is a leader that leads by example and has your back. He started off with just some really fun emails and just being a person and that he's like, don't refer to me as the secretary. You could see the personality in the way he wrote. It wasn't just like, oh, and today I'm announcing somebody has got to this position and this position and blah, blah. He was just being a normal person of like, oh, we're doing this and then this is what's happening and just a real, like being a real person and that he actually wrote it. It wasn't just you know, his assistant, somebody wrote it. So you could feel the authenticity. And then because I'm based regionally, he made sure he spent the time to organize a Teams meeting with all of us who are based regionally to connect and see how it was in the regions and if he could help in any way. 
All these leaders our guests are talking about are active online. All the leaders our guests are talking about are themselves on and offline. And all these leaders have found a way to connect with their staff, to build them up and to use the amplification and scale benefits of social media platforms like LinkedIn to reach new audiences, like candidates. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Now, whether this is your very first episode or you're a fully-fledged subscriber, I want to share an exclusive invitation with you. I want to invite you to join the one program that will help you take greater control of your digital reputation and help you kick some real goals on LinkedIn. It's our Your Digital Reputation LinkedIn for Leaders program, a one-month program built off the back of hundreds of conversations with leaders and 30,000-odd hours advising them on LinkedIn. By joining the program, you'll get access to a range of planning frameworks, best practice guidelines, and one-on-one coaching with me, Roger Christie, to help you avoid common LinkedIn mistakes and get real value for your efforts. All that value in just one month to ensure you're set up for success well into the future. So, what are you waiting for? If you're looking for a LinkedIn for Leaders program, feel free to hit pause on this episode right now and drop me an email at rchristie at propelgroup.com.au or go to www.propelgroup.com.au slash YDR for more details. I'd love to help you amplify your impact and show you just how powerful a business tool LinkedIn can be. All right, back to this episode. So just how much of an impact does it have on current and potential staff when these leaders show up and speak up online? It sets the tone. So after Jim finished speaking at this summit that I was at this week, I had people turn at me in the summit and go, I want to work at that department. I want to work with him. And I was like, yeah, this is the place to be. There's no such thing as influencing bottom up. Like it's top down. It's not bottom up. Like we can, you know, employ people who have that mindset, but that leadership down makes a big difference. So it does. And I guess before coming to the department and having Jim and having my previous boss, Hillary, without them, I hadn't experienced that type of leadership before. And it's not necessarily, I think, a new concept. I think it's just maybe we've been stuck in a time of, you know, just it's been working, so we just keep doing it. While I'm always that sort of mindset of, I like to look at what was being done previously and how it works, but how could we improve it? And not everybody likes change and change can be scary, but we need to embrace change because if we didn't say, for instance, have... COVID unlocked a whole range of things that we've had to think differently and we've had to pivot and be adaptable and all those things. Not everybody can work that nine to five and not everybody can be inside an office and not everybody can do those sort of things. And that different leadership approach can provide people with the opportunities to showcase their full potential without fitting into that mold. And there's a very, very small portion of people that can fit into that mold. And we all want to be seen. We all want to be heard. We all want to be appreciated. And how he has changed the dynamic, how my previous boss has, how my team that I'm in still now, how we support each other, it is a completely different way and it makes me want to go to work every day. What about the example these leaders set by being active online themselves? What what message does that send to others in their teams? 
And when these teams feel empowered, what benefits do their organizations access, like new industry relationships, a self-belief, a culture of high performance and trust? A lot of it's just connection. So um, critical minerals. When I start putting out those posts, then I'll start to get a lot of connections from that world come in. And then when we had the World Mining Congress, those connections equal meeting with these people, them sharing our posts, me learning about the, the business that, that they're doing, them learning more about our department. So I think that in itself, it starts moving you into these different worlds on LinkedIn rather than traditionally. I would have had uh, social media professionals. And now I have people who work in resources. I have people who work in native title. I have people who work in the land space. So yeah, bringing those connections with my work, not just my profession. LinkedIn has allowed us to reach across the island and make those connections, which has it's been, it's been so useful. My background is comms. That's something I obviously enjoy. I make videos for fun. I don't ever intend to get anything out of it. I make videos of hiding my kids' vegetables in their food. That's just who I am. So when I made the video, I didn't think anybody would care or take any interest of it. I made it for me and I probably made it to... I know when, for instance, anybody's looking at something, they Google it. So if if somebody was happened to find something about neurodiversity by Googling my and then I came up, then I would hope that that would provide people with reassurance. So it was for the lead up to our all staff meeting. It was the first time that we were all going to be together since obviously COVID in person. My co-chair and I, Sarah, we wanted to do something fun is because that's you know, what's the point otherwise? Is that Jim always wears fun shirts and we look at him and it's like, he just is cool. So we're like, we're going to be cool too. She wore a shirt that said, always tired. And my shirt said, neurodivergent. So like, it was just like, this is us. This is who we are. We're going to wear them. And I hadn't really told anybody within the department that I had ADHD, like I declared it on my things. I told my previous boss, but it wasn't something that I was like, this is who I am, blah, blah, blah. It was very much maybe, you know, people wouldn't have been surprised, let's be honest. I'm pretty loud and out there, but it wasn't like this is like a confirmed thing. So I was scared probably, not that I necessarily care what people think, but there's always that little needle in the back of your head that's like, oh, people will treat you differently or something else. But we had to record like a little video that got shared in the all staff meeting. And it was just like, you know, pretty much, hey, this is us. This is what we do for our network. And we got a really good response from that. So I was like, cool. People obviously want to know. So then I was like, I am going to post it. It's all good. And there's so many people from within the department and externally have messaged me and said, I feel seen. That is me. I completely connect with what you're saying. And it was just like, okay, I've done something right. And I guess for me is everything I do in my life is I don't want my kids to ever feel embarrassed or ashamed of who they are. And why I do what I do within the network is I want to create change. If we can't create change within the department, a government agency, then what does the rest of the nation have? So 
you know, my kids are not going to start work for quite a while or anything, but I hope that one day when they do enter the workforce that they can bring their their true selves and that it's okay to dance and be funny and wear bright colors and be who they are to work because they are valued, they are important, their ideas are meaningful. The way that Jim has said things of and been very open about, you know, past struggles and things like that, it's like, wow, if he can be the person at the top, man, fabulous, then why can't I? Or why can't somebody else? Like, it's just being a human. It's not that there's like all these steps between you. It's not like I need to make an appointment to go and talk to you. It's like, I literally, if he's there, I can just walk up and be like, hey, because they're people. So the barriers have gone, which has been really nice. So yeah, it's, it's really nice. Check out the link to Danny's video and post in the show notes. It is a truly wonderful example of what she describes as being seen by her leader and what all leaders can unlock when they, like Jim Betts, believe in their people and give them the confidence to truly be themselves online and offline. So we've heard some amazing stories and examples on today's episode, but what about advice? What would our guests say to other leaders still sitting on the fence? I'd say be authentic. I think that's that's for all social media, just always be authentic and be yourself. And you can dip your toe into using LinkedIn and that's fine. It will still have a positive effect. You don't have to go full Kaiser to get the full effect of social media. But if you work your way up, you can. And then you look at like what Mike does, Ken, like people would see that as risky because he's, he's putting himself out there. But when there is those potential backlashes, he owns it and has, has a conversation and that's as risky as it gets. What I would say is that we're currently in an environment and particularly an employment environment where there's a lot of incredible talent out there and you have a LinkedIn profile, you have a platform and if you want to attract the best people, the best quality talent, I think putting your views and your values out there is such an incredible way to attract them to you because you can enjoy the process of the things that you do at work But if you don't share the same values as the people that you employ or if they don't share the same values as you as a leader, I feel like there could be some mismatch there and that is something that I believe may unravel high-performing teams or incredible culture. So what you want to do is put your values out there so that you can find people who are your people. You want to create teams that are extremely cohesive, ambitious and are trying to kick the same goals that you are trying to kick. And to give the final word to the stars and the focus of today's episode, to the candidates out there, how can platforms like LinkedIn help you? I'm a huge advocate for LinkedIn and I do tell my friends that it's my favourite social media platform. And it's for these reasons in which you can sort of break down those barriers. And as a young person entering the workforce, I think it's just been a really, really incredible tool to have this opportunity that I'm not sure everyone seized. So I'm very grateful. Of course, the stats around the way candidates use social media tells a story, but the stories of candidates themselves are always far more powerful, in my view. 
And the stories you've heard from each of our guests show just how big an impact their leaders' online efforts have had on their careers. It follows that this is the sort of impact any leader can have online, even on those people they don't know are looking and they don't know are listening. So if you're a leader listening to this, I hope you've heard this clear call to arms. Your words and actions have always mattered. Social media platforms like LinkedIn simply provide unparalleled access and scale to amplify your impact beyond belief. Access and scale that will help you reach and influence a whole new audience, including the very talent you need to thrive in today's market. So, what are you waiting for? I'm Roger Christie, and thank you for joining me on this episode of the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Thanks again for listening. If you've learned something from today's conversation, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with others. For all show notes, head to propelgroup.com.au. Thanks again for listening.